When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Ethan Skolnick for the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure to check out FiveReasonsSports.com for all of the latest podcasts in our network, including our Dolphins podcast, Three Yards Per Carry, our Canes podcast, Five Rings Canes. They're now going every Friday. And all of our free content, whether it's columns, or our news trending material. Also check out our YouTube channel. You can find that by simply Googling Five Reason Sports and YouTube. We've got a double episode coming up for you here. And the first part of the episode is brought to you by Smarty Pants Marketing. It's spelled with a Z, Pants, P-A-N-T-Z, which is a South Florida-based digital marketing agency. Most marketing companies are going to be quick to sell you a tool or a specific marketing service because they don't know how to help you build a strategy. But at Smarty Pants Marketing, the goal is to develop a complete marketing strategy for every aspect of the customer's buying journey. They've got a 90-day growth accelerator program, which will set you apart from your competition, increase your sales, and provide you a marketing strategy plan that guarantees growth. Obviously, we know a lot of things are shut down right now, but eventually business is going to come back. Don't you want to be in position to capitalize? You need to visit www.smartypants, again, that's with a Z, marketing.com or call 954-406-7160, 954-406-7160 or email Alan, that's our friend Alan Levin, A-L-L-E-N at smartypantsmarketing.com. And now, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alphonse Sydney, a.k.a. ALF954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back. I've got Alphonse Sydney and Alex Toledo. Second half of this episode, we're going to talk to, I'm going to talk to Wendy Dees, who's a professor at the University of Miami, who is part of our Minding Our Business podcast. But uh, really interesting conversation I had with her a couple of days ago about the heat and how what's going on with coronavirus could potentially affect Mickey Arison and the team. And there's been a lot of speculation out there. Wendy gets right to the numbers. So you want to stick around for that. Before we do that, though, I've got Alex Salido. I got Alphonse Sidney. I want to talk a little bit of anytime there's anything current with the heat, we're going to do a podcast on it because there's just not going to be that much news. Today, Eric Spolster spoke to some members of the media. Yesterday, Goran Dragic did. We put out the Dragic sound. You can check that out on our feed. And Goran was talking about some of the things that the team is doing. Eric spoke today. I was on that conference call. Got to ask Eric a couple of different questions. The focus from Eric, guys, was really about, you know, look, you know, we're in pretty good shape. We're professional athletes. We're coaches. 
we're really more concerned about what everybody else is going through right now. He really wanted to emphasize that point. I can even tell you that after the conference call was over, I got a message from Eric saying, make sure you emphasize that point. Um, I, I think that the team does not want to appear in any way that they think their issues are bigger than anyone else's because they know that they're not. And we already know that the Heat have reached out. The Arisons have done quite a bit um, you know, to help the community. And you can go right now to heat.com backslash donate, and you can help them with their efforts directly. So, uh, you know, I want to give some credit to the Heat for what they've done. And, and the, but the rest of the stuff from Eric was about the basketball um, because we were asking him questions about it. He said essentially, guys, that they're, he's having conference calls with the coaches every other day just to kind of keep their minds engaged. But other than that, they're doing these calls with the players. And he said basically the first few minutes are just the guys goofing off and saying hello and telling jokes. But, you know, everybody's on there, and then he, they, he kind of gives them their workouts. You know, again, he says, I'm not as concerned about the basketball. He also said that, you know, I'm hopeful that we're, everybody's going to appreciate this, that nobody's going to bitch about it. He didn't see the word bitch, but he's not always going to complain about an 82-game schedule in the dog days because we just all miss basketball so much. And he also said, I thought the other thing was interesting, was I asked him, you know, there were some guys and players in the NBA who came out against no-fan games uh, before. LeBron was one of them. Do you think anybody sort of reevaluated that? And, and Eric basically said, our guys would go play in a playground right now for free just to, just to be around the game and, and appreciate this. How do you think teams should handle this, Alf? Like, what, what can they do when you don't know if the season is going to resume? I mean, what more can they do to get together and have practices? Even if everybody on your team has been cleared, to have a practice is just irresponsible um, because that's just going to require too many people in one space. These, ki- these people are still going back home to their families, to their kids. Uh, you know, so it, there's what else can you do? Ch- uh, conference calls? Video chats, it's the most responsible thing to do. And it's honestly, as role models, it's exactly what they should be doing. They shouldn't be, you know, the Lakers went through a 14-day quarantine. They shouldn't run out and go to the practice gym together, start sweating and banging, banging bodies. And, hey, look, we're okay. It's just it's a bad message to portray to the public. So what the Heat are doing and what I'm thinking of just about every other team is doing is the right thing. Staying away from each other, social distancing, like everyone's telling you to stay at home. If these guys did anything but, it would just be super hypocritical. So they're doing the right thing. Yeah, and Eric actually used the phrase. He says, we don't even want to call it social distancing. It's more like physical distancing. He's like, we want to be connected socially, but, you know, obviously, you know, we can't be together um, at this time. The other thing he said was he's using his barbecue grill a lot more than he ever has before. He's a restaurant, as he said, a restaurant takeout person. So his little kids are not are confused about why daddy's home so much because usually he'd be traveling during this time of year. But Alex, how can, before we get into some of the possibilities that have been talked about with the league, I mean, even if they come back this year, how I'm just wondering how it's even going to look like a representative NBA basketball product. Right. Like, I mean, guys, if, if guys are off for two, three months, like what is this going to look like? Well, honestly, it depends on when they come back. And we obviously don't know that everything is fluid. It, it, I feel like the playoffs it won't resume until like what August, September, probably maybe even later. I don't know how it's going to work. Right. But let's say it does come back at that time. Are they going to play in arenas that they, it, everything would have to be completely cleared by then? I don't know if that's even a possibility. I don't know anything about that. Uh, it would be tough, right? I, and I agree with everything I said about how they should handle it, right? Just do a lot of home workouts. I'm sure they can get that set up, right, with with their resources. 
and uh, do all the video chat stuff and just stay in shape. That's the best I could say. And then, you know, uh, just work it out one one day at a time because it's it's fluid. It's fluid. Uh, beggars can't be choosers here, and I think that's kind of where we've come to with the players. And even Udonis Haslam said the other day they didn't like the no fans idea, but now it, if that means a way to get back on the court, they're good with it. But let's go through a couple of possibilities that have been thrown out there. And you just guys give me a thumbs up, thumbs down, like if you think that this would even be worth doing, okay? No fans basketball, Alf. Or if that's what it ends up being the rest of the season, are you okay with it? Mother, mother effort, I will take it. I will take anything. <laughs> are you kidding me? Like I will, I'd watch these guys play 2K right now, and I know they're, they're actually going to do that. Derek Jones Jr. is involved. Yes. I don't know if they, I think that might be tomorrow. Um, it is. KD's the, KD's the betting favorite. I'm not only because I think he, he'll scorch everybody with his fake social media accounts if they don't say so, but that's but, um, basically it. Yeah, he has to be a terror in the chat rooms. But um, yeah, man, I would take no fan, no fan games. Even as media, if we weren't allowed in, I don't care. I'll watch it from home. We can, we can discuss the games. We, you know, we're not going to get the interviews. We're not going to get those type of things, but. At the end of the day, what's most important is that everyone's safe. And then secondly, if there's a way to get basketball back, way to get any sports back and have it be done safely, I'll take it. Like anyone complaining about it at this point does not real, is not living in the same reality the rest of us are living in. Alex, uh, some discussion got out there about possible two out of three playoff series. Not the finals, but everything. So not even three out of five, but two out of three. Uh, again, I'll take anything, but my question is, is this even I, – I don't know. I mean, there has always been this question about baseball when they play that. In my view, that's you know, they play 162 games, and then there's a one-game season to decide who gets to play in the next round. Um, is it even – is it fair? Does it benefit the Heat in any way to play a two out of three? Well, I don't know about that. I, we would, I don't even know how it would benefit, benefit, benefit one, team, one team over the other. Jesus Christ. But what I'm trying to say is that, like, if you're going to go one of these half-assed measures, if, you're, if you can play three games in a series, why can't you play seven, right? And I get what you're saying, but it's like, I would rather just wait until it gets clear because, like, what's – again, I, that's something that I think should only they should only resort to if, like, it gets down to the last minute. You get what I'm saying? Like, if it's, like, already October – and nothing's been resolved. You know, people haven't been cleared all the way yet. I think it's kind of a half measure. And I would honestly what, would it say even the be a real championship? The arena thing. Like, I wouldn't what? want to see basketball play without the arena. Of course, I would love to watch that right now. Obviously. Absolutely, I would. But I think that takes away. Like, I wouldn't want the playoffs to be held like that. It takes away from everything the playoffs mean. And at the same time, it's like, what does that even mean? We're going to play without. So it's not safe enough to have fans, which I understand. It's a huge crowd. But it's safe enough to have players. It's. It's a, uh, and you know, whoever else is at the arena, I would rather just wait it out at that point. If you're going to do something like that, even maybe do like that tournament they were talking about, you could get, bring in some revenue, do stuff for everybody that's affected and you keep the playoffs as the playoffs. You wait for, you know, for whenever it does, whenever they do resume it, even if it's like freaking November or October, like I would rather just do the tournament. But I don't think that, I, I don't think they're going to be fans this year. I, I, I think, I, I, I don't even know that it's a consideration to have fans. I think the most that they would actually do is maybe let some media in 
you know, to cover it, to bring it to the fans and then have the players on podiums instead of in the locker room. Like I can see that happening. You know, you don't have to bring it all because it's not just the fans. Alex is the thing. It's like you bring in the fans, you got to bring in all the ushers, right? You got to bring in all the concessionaires. Like it's, you got to bring in the parking lot attendants. You got to, so uh, to me, I I don't think fans are like, to me, fans are going to be off the table. And so if that happens, it's okay. What kind of a, a, a season that you get that you get a legitimate champion. Okay. And, and there's always been this question. Remember, um, you know, years ago when Phil Jackson used to troll the Spurs because they won in a, in a lockout shortened season, like, okay, but at least in that one, like I, the regular season was short, but the, but the playoffs were, were real. I, I kind of feel like this. Two Once you start three, messing man. with the playoffs, you're, yeah. you're, you have an asterisk, asterisk, Aster- asterisk next to that. It, that it, has to, it has to be three out of five to me to be I, three out of five, at least gives a team where you don't play one bad game and you're done. I mean, can you imagine like you're the bucks? Okay. And you're playing Orlando in the first round and Giannis, you know, sprains his ankle in the, in the first quarter of game one and you lose game one at home. And all of a sudden you're on the ropes after you just won what 75% of your games during the regular season. I, I don't like it. I, I think, I think it'd yeah. be actually kind of awesome, but well, I, well, no, no, <laughs> the, the pressure the would be amazing, but not, not if you're the bucks, but the pressure would be amazing, but I, I want legitimacy. I look beggars can't be choosers. If that's what it turns out to be, that's what it turns out to be. But the other thing that was talked about final one here was Vegas. Uh, and basically just, I mean, <laughs> You know, I, th- this will be the first like time the players league. all stand. Doing like summer league and just putting everybody in the same hotel, uh, or maybe even spreading them out. Do it at the hotels. Mandalay Bay. They have a, you can you can put a court in that convention center. Right, or you well they could do it probably at the at the arena at Thomas and Mac. I mean, where they yeah where they do. Doesn't matter league. how many people. It doesn't have any stand, or how many seats you have because there won't be any people yeah. there. No, there won't be anybody there. You could do it at the new at the T-Mobile Arena there too, and just have everybody in the same place and. I don't know what's going to be open in Vegas. It'll be interesting if a lot of things are open and the players are out there, uh, you know, mingling and staying out all night at, uh, you know, I'm not even going to mention some of the establishments because I'll get in trouble. But, uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, you've got basically the entire Eastern Conferences at Spearmint Rhino the night before they're playing games. Uh, <laughs> would be would be uh, compelling to see who woke up. I mean, James Harden would be out the first round for sure. Um that, but, I mean, that can't be healthy at this time, so. No, so, so it's pro- probably not. So, I, I mean, do you like that idea, basically quarantining the entire NBA in one city? No. I mean, actually, I think that would probably be the smartest and the safest to do it like Summer League. You know, just if, if there's not going to be fans there, there's no home court advantage. Who cares where you – to have teams flying across the country to play in arenas without fans. Right. Do it for the tournament. Do do a tournament like that. I, I would love that idea. I would that would be awesome, actually. Idea. Right? Like, I, I feel like the playoffs, we should not touch it. Unless, it, if you feel me, like, if we have to. I feel like we shouldn't make that decision right now. Obviously, we're not making that decision. But uh, I, I love that tournament idea. They were already thinking about it. Now it would actually make sense. Back then, it didn't really make sense, given the context of the NBA. And But now, like, with everything going on, the tournament absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I like the Vegas idea. Um, but I... I I agree with that. I think the playoffs, the playoffs, like you're taking away from their family, <laughs> yeah. the whole playoffs. <laughs> right. I mean, how long would that go? How long would that go? Right. Like six weeks. Yeah. You can't listen. Do that. Everybody's a little sick of their families right now. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody would mind uh, getting away from their families for a little bit. Honey, I'm going to Vegas. How long? Until we're eliminated. <laughs> 
I mean, you'd have some, but I, but I will. Yeah, I was gonna say you will have guys playing harder than they've ever played in their lives, right? <laughs> just so they don't have to go home. Well, just, just get the opposite effect too. Guys who right. uh, maybe stayed out too long. Right, but like I said, yeah, Hard, what I'm saying, Harden will be eliminated like in game one. Like that'll be it. Like you, James will just disappear. Like you won't even see him after game one. That's it. He's played. Where is he? The Spearman Ryman on the VIP room. I, that's what's going to end up happening. But I, I think that that idea is interesting to do it as a tournament if it's a little bit shorter. I, I don't like the two out of three in the playoffs. I don't. I, I just think it, we're always going to look at that as a fake season. And I, I know Adam Silver wants to give people basketball, and I, I know that the pressure that would be a lot of fun though. It would be fun to watch, and guys would crack under the pressure. You would have narratives that were totally unfair that would stick with players the rest of their careers, right? Like, I mean, let's, I mean, if a guy has one bad game, like, could you imagine if LeBron had a, had a, had a 2011 finals game during a two out of three series, just cracked in game one, what that would be like? Skip Bayless's head would explode. Yeah, well, it already has. I wish it would have a long time ago. <laughs> All right. Uh, so anyway, we're after after the break here. We're going to get to Windy D's to kind of tell you about uh, what how this affects the Miami Heat. And actually, since we did that interview, there's been even more stuff. Carnival stock is now. I think I said seventy to seventy five percent when I was talking to Windy. It's now down eighty two percent from its high. So eighty two percent. I don't mean to laugh at it because it's it's hard to look at. Um, and, and again, people who don't think this is going to affect Miami Heat's business, I think, are out of touch. And, and Wendy addresses that. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. That's Dutch Valley Farms. What's Dutch Valley Farms for starters? They're not your average cannabis grow farm. They've got deep roots in the 305. And this hometown group of doctors, CPAs, and Silicon Valley professionals have taken their talents from the 305 to the 503 to make you the finest flower out there. How does Miami find its way all the way out in Oregon? Simple, a team with a shared belief in cannabis research and erasing the stigma behind the bud. Today, the Dutch Valley Farms crew is bringing together old school growing practices with new school tech to deliver a consistently clean, high quality experience that you can feel good about. The proof is in the plant. If you want more information, visit DutchVF.com. Follow them on Instagram at Dutch Valley Farms. And now, Wendy Dees. Welcome back to the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Again, I'm Ethan Skolnick. Now, obviously, we're trying to follow what's happening with coronavirus and how it affects sports. And specifically because this is a Miami heat podcast, we want to find out how it might affect the Miami heat and the NBA. We've kind of had our own sort of unexpert opinions, which we've been throwing out there the past few days and the past couple of weeks since this started. Uh, but I wanted to get somebody who has a little bit more knowledge or a lot more knowledge about sports business. And she is the co-host of our minding our business or minding your business. I always do this. Do I, no, it's minding our business. I'm sorry. Wendy, I keep screwing this up. Jax is going to be so pissed at me. It, it's mob. It's minding our mind and our business. Um, and it appears here on the five reasons sports network periodically. We've got a new episode of that, that you can find on our feed coming up, but I wanted to talk to Wendy Dees. She's a professor at the university of Miami. This is her specialty. And the reason I wanted to talk to Wendy is because in part, um, first, her knowledge on this, but also this is not something that Jax can really talk about directly because he works for the Miami Heat. So, I, you know, and that is what is the most concern for Heat fans, at least when it comes to sports, is how this is going to affect the Heat. So, Wendy, let's start here. Um, Mickey Harrison owns Carnival. And hey. obviously, I mean, that's the bread and butter. That's where the money comes from. That's, that's where the family got started. And, you know, obviously that is, you know, in, in dire straits right now. And, I, you know, I don't know by the time that this airs, whether there'll be some kind of sweeteners in there. But at the moment, the bailout package that as we speak, we're recording this on a Friday, 
uh, the $2 trillion package doesn't apparently include very much for cruise ships because they're considered a non-essential business um, as opposed to, say, airlines. Is there a legitimate concern in your mind, I've been throwing this out there, that the Miami Heat are going to look different because Mickey Arison will just not have the resources that he had before? Well, you make a really good point, Ethan, about the bailout package and non- For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones- get it done essential services but let me also add some clarification to that for those mm -hmm. who aren't as familiar with the cruise industry and business wise how they're incorporated not only are they considered non-essential um, but what most people don't know about the cruise industry is that sometimes these ships are not even incorporated in the United States, meaning right. Mickey Arison and, and all the other cruise line owners operate their business in the United States and they're headquartered uh, in, in Doral here in Miami. But sometimes these ships are incorporated uh, in other countries and that's for different reasons. But if any of the ships, uh, you know, business-wise are, are housed in a different country, then uh, they don't necessarily have the same taxes that we have here. Mm -hmm. So you can see how the government, if they're doing bailout, even though the cruise line industry is horribly affected by this right now, um, you know, if they're not paying you know, taxes to the U.S. government because the ships are not uh, sailing under the American flag, then they wouldn't qualify for some of that bailout money. So there's some financial structure there that also plays into that, but it mm -hmm. does affect the fact that that Carnival is not probably going to get a, a bailout package there. So that's that's a serious problem. And then uh, anyone who's following the stock market right now, if they're looking at what's going on in the cruise line industry, it's extremely disturbing uh, mm -hmm. because the the stock for Carnival specifically is down 80% over the past three months and right. stock is, is dropping terribly. So there's a lot going on financially for our particular MBA owner. Yeah, it's financial and it's also political, right? Because, I mean, it, it's very difficult to make a case, I think, to the public that, you know, uh, businesses that have, for whatever reasons, and a lot of it is tax reasons, have flown under the flag of Bermuda, uh, you know, sh should then be first in line for a bailout here. In addition to the fact that cruises are seen as luxury, you know, I, I mean, as a luxury thing for a lot of people, it's very hard to get sort of, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Joe Middle America uh, who maybe, you know, has wanted to go on a cruise but not been able to find the resources for it or just simply, you know, logistically it's not possible to get there from Idaho, uh, you know, to, to really care about what's going on down here, down the street from me in Fort Lauderdale, you know, where a lot of these Royal Caribbean ships leave from. So it, it, it's, it's, I think it's political. It's also financial. So let's pivot then. Um, you know, Mickey Arison has always, uh, I think, done what's necessary to keep the heat relevant, uh, starting with the hiring of Pat Riley and then staying out of the way. 
largely um, and being a very good steward for the franchise, but not, not, you know, and this is for better or worse, not a Mark Cuban, not a Dan Snyder, not a James Dolan, not a, you know, not, not any of these other owners who you hear about all the time. Um, it's, it's just not, it's just not Mickey's way. But the thing about, you know, the Arisons also is that they've always been very clear that they are not a big market franchise. Um, I remember I've talked about this on the podcast, but in 2011, during the lockout, I remember Mickey had uh, a handful of us in the offices at the arena to discuss this and kind of where his position was. And a lot of this had to do with the fact that the Heat have always viewed themselves as a mid-market team because of it's, it's, a, it's a mid-market from a TV perspective. It's not, you know, New York or Chicago or Los Angeles or Dallas, Fort Worth. And so the Heat always got painted as a big market team because they are, you know, a, a premium destination because they've managed to maneuver themselves in a way to get premium talent. But they really aren't a big market uh, team. And that has been used sometimes as validation. I don't want to say excuse, but validation for why they haven't done certain things. We've also seen that they haven't wanted to be a repeater tax team. Uh, that they've been willing to spend, but to a point when they, you know, when there was a question about amnestying Mike Miller, they amnestied Mike Miller. They traded Joel Anthony to get under the luxury tax one year. Uh, they got rid of Rodney Magruder for tax reasons. Well, that worked out well because they got Kendrick Nunn. But, but I guess the thing is, I mean, when we're talking about the heat, uh, and then I want to get to the fan perspective on this and how this is going to affect fans and how that might affect the bottom line. But ha- how have you viewed the Arisons' handling of the Heat? Has he has he acted like a big market owner and mid market owner? And how do you think that that might change again if his pr- primary business has a stock that's worth twenty percent of what it was before? I think you're exactly right, Ethan. Um, I think the Arison way has worked out really well in Miami because what you alluded to, uh, TV wise, ratings wise, business wise, you know, it doesn't matter what Miami looks like on TV, uh, business wise, we are a a mid-market franchise. And so he's operated in that way and he's smart to do so. And like you said, the transparency is, is also what fans want because when owners and GMs are making these decisions, uh, they, you know, they want to know why. And, and he's been very upfront about that. And so I think fans realize that Miami is not New York or LA or Chicago and, you know, good ownership makes people understand the decisions that they make. Maybe they don't, you know, know everything behind the scenes. Um, but the Arisons have always been, you know, transparent and they're a franchise first family where other owners are not. And, you know, we know who those owners are. So uh, I think the Arisons do a fantastic job. But I think what fans have to understand right now, and I, I know people don't want to hear, oh, you know, feeling sorry for billionaire owners in, in what we're going through. But the reality is that you have some owners who have made all of their money in an industry that's not being impacted right now. But then you have some owners like Mickey Arison who are hurting on both sides because, you know, Carnival is being hugely impacted with the, the cruise line industry. But then the sports world has also shut down and you have very few other owners who have this situation where their personal business is imploding, a lot of owners right now are able to subsidize their teams and what's going on with the sports world shutting down with the money from their personal business. So for example, 
let's say uh, like Tillman Fertitta with the Rockets, same mm-hmm. situation. That's a casino restaurant empire that's that's furloughing forty thousand employees, and mm-hmm. and their that family's feeling it on both sides. Mm-hmm. And so I think when everyone looks at sports and says, "Well, these billionaire owners, they just need to float these teams while this is going on." Yes, that can be done for a certain period of time and good owners, I think, will step up and do that. But there are some owners whose money is on the entertainment side and then their franchise is on the entertainment side. And this is a tough go at it right now. Mm-hmm. No question. And, you know, like you take a look at Dan Gilbert, for instance, who, you know, has basically made his money you know, off refinancing, which actually, you know, may rise uh, in, in this climate. Yes. And, and so, so you're going to have some owners who, again, it's, it's simply luck, I think, in some ways that, that are going to be better positioned than other owners are. And then we have other owners who I view, view as be- behaving badly, like Josh Harris in Philadelphia until he was quickly rebuked for, you know, the 20% pay cuts uh, for everybody, you know, in the front office and the coaching staff. And that's where I want to go with you here because I, I want to focus on on the sports business. And, and this is why, again, I, I just don't think Heat fans are taking this seriously enough. Um, and, and I know there's other more important concerns, but it's been kind of downplayed with me when I keep throwing this out there. Like, no, no, he's got billions of dollars. I mean, that's it's a different deal. He's also got a lot of liabilities. And, and I also know, too, that every time, and I, I can say this <laughs> with great clarity because I've dealt with it directly, every time that the Forbes list comes out, and the Heat are valued at a certain number, there's a pushback from the organization. Not to say they're valued as more, but to say they're valued as less. Uh, because, uh, you know, the, the, it wants to be made clear that the, the Heat are not as profitable as an enterprise as, as Heat fans or the general public would assume. And, and so I, I do think there's going to be a drastic pullback coming. And I, I want to get to, and I think it's going to affect everything that the Heat was planning here. I, I think it's going to affect... 2021 free agency. I know that they've done some smart things to get under the tax, but I think in terms of long-term commitments for players are are problematic. And that's why I want to pivot to the fans. Because one of the things we discussed on a previous podcast is, A, if the NBA comes back this year, I don't think they come back with fans. Uh, I I just think it's going to be too dangerous. As soon as one player tests positive again, everybody's got to leave. It's it's not going to work. Or or one fan tests positive. I mean, uh, so I don't think it's going to happen. So you're looking at a whole rest of the season, even if it's played without fans. Uh, Can you tell me if this number is correct? I've been told that roughly 25% of the NBA's revenue comes from the postseason. Is that that about your understanding of it? Is that that Uh, close? Yeah, give or take. That's, That's right. Okay. So, so, okay. So you're talking about, if you don't have the playoffs, you're losing that. You lost the last quarter of the season. So even if you come back, it's going to be shortened somewhat. Um, and again, it's going to be probably a TV property only to simply to satisfy your TV partners. So there's going to be a loss, but then there's the other thing, which to me is the chilling effect that this is going to have going forward on two fronts. You keep mentioning two fronts. I think there's two fronts here. Also, there's the chilling effect of, people not wanting to go to public places anymore, which I think is being uh, under, you know, there's just going to be people are freaked out. Okay. They're just not going to, they're not going to want to be around crowds as much, I guess, unless they're spring breakers, right? They're just not going to be around crowds. And and I think the other thing is just people are going to have less money. And and so I I don't, you know, those floor seats, okay. For heat sixers um, are not going to sell on the secondary market like they did before. But I think tickets that have not been sold uh, by these teams are going to be harder to sell 
and you're going to need to offer incentives to get people back in the building. That's the way I think this trends. There are some who think, well, people are going to be so pent up. There's going to be so much pent up demand for sports that everybody's going to come flooding back. I do not agree with that. How do you think fans will behave? I'm with you, Ethan. I agree with you, but I hear the same sentiment that you're mentioning. People are in this mode right now where they just think, oh God, when sports comes back, we're all just going to, you know, run out to the stadium and pack the AAA and it's going to be, you know, good old times again. Now, don't get me wrong. TV ratings are going to go through the roof because like you said, if people are afraid to go to the stadium uh, or the arena, then everyone's going to be so excited to watch. But I agree with you that the longer this goes on, and now that people have been uh, so much more educated on, you know, how to be, you know, sanitary and how things get transferred so easily, I I don't think people are going to rush back into the arena with the same comfort level. But to speak to the economic situation, that I think is the biggest factor that people aren't talking about. And just a couple of days ago, um, there was an estimate put out there on the ticketing side of the industry that over a billion dollars right now of, of personal capital is tied up in the ticketing industry where people bought tickets, whether it was season tickets or they had tickets to games or what have you. And that money is not being refunded to fans right now because technically, legally, these games are just considered to be postponed. Mm -hmm. They have not been canceled. And so the way it works when you buy your tickets is that unless these games are canceled, you don't get a refund. And so as long as the leagues label the season as being postponed, they don't have to offer refunds. And a lot of fans are wanting those right now. And you can sense that that urgency is only going to get greater as the summer goes on. And so that just shows you that people are struggling right now and they would like to have that ticket money back and the leagues are obviously trying to hold on to that because of the things that we've talked about with layoffs and furloughs and and that Mm -hmm. type of thing but i am with you 100 percent that when the doors open back up number one people will not be as comfortable health-wise and number two we are looking at in the sport industry um ticketing revenue and recession type numbers that we saw in 2008 yeah, I think it's, and after 2008, uh, there was a chilling effect for a couple of years. Uh, and there was even, in some ways, um, you know, a, lot, a negative stigma to even doing anything fun for a little bit. And, it, and there wasn't even a health issue involved. But, uh, you know, I, I remember, uh, you know, Obama took quite a bit of heat because he basically was discouraging people from going to Las Vegas, you know, <laughs> and looking like you were having too good a time while everybody else was suffering, particularly the, you know, sort of the, the financial sector folks. Um, and so I, I do think that all of this is going to play in last one. And, and you can find Wendy and, and her great work. You find her at get these tweets. Uh, that's uh, G E T D E E S tweets. Um, and obviously she's a professor at the university of Miami and, and you, we're going to get up that minding our business. Uh, podcast. So Jack's, uh, and I'll get it right. So Jack's isn't mad at me. But um, the last thing, I, I guess, uh, let's just come to a conclusion if we can. Um, are, are, in the Miami, are in the Miami Heat, in your view, uh, I mean, let's try to throw a percentage on it. I know it's hard to do. How affected are they going to be from this? Particularly, let's look at it if a season is canceled. Are, are the Miami Heat as we knew them 
done? And do you think there's a chance that the Arison family stewardship of the Heat may be over ultimately and that we may see someone else here running the Miami Heat? No, I don't think we want to jump that far ahead, Ethan. I, I don't think we want to paint a picture of doom and gloom. It, it will get better. And again, when you have these billionaire owners, there's, there's room here to take a hit. Um, you know, I, I've seen numbers estimating Mickey Arison's net worth has dropped about 30% in the last six weeks. That's a scary number, but there's still a lot of you know, room there for things to, to bounce back. And the Arisons are, have been great owners and the heat is one of the, you know, most popular beloved franchises, you know, in Miami and in the NBA. And so I, I don't think it's a doom and gloom situation right now. And I think the Arisons are going to do the best by the heat that they can given their overall financial situation. I just think everyone's going to have to be very patient and, you know, we're just going to have to be, um, you know, not, not expecting the best maybe fan experience whenever you come back. It's not going to be this big party that everyone was getting ready for with the with the playoffs approaching and to, to kind of speak to what you said I was just doing some sponsorship research this week and on that side of the business there's also a sentiment that when sponsors come back and start to put their brand messaging in front of people again when the games are on that the message will have to be very sensitive because people are mm -hmm. very emotional right now and and the message will have to be a lot more about giving back helping people heal and trying to get people into the arenas for the right reasons, not just so that they can uh, put their advertising Perfect. messages in, in front of people again. Yeah. I mean, I just, I'm just watching on TV and watching on CNN, I see a Jersey Mike's ad, which is about, you know, helping the community. And I, I think we're, we're going to be headed for that. I mean, I do feel like, like you said, I mean, I, the heat has been the marquee franchise and you, nobody else can argue with me on this has been the marquee franchise uh, in this town for the past 25 years. And it's a, a, ever since basically the Arisons and Pat Riley took it over. Um, it's been the model franchise down here. Everybody else chases uh, even the, the more historical franchise. And, 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 and I think that, uh, you know, and I think in sports in general, I think it's been a top 10 franchise and I think it's very difficult to argue otherwise. Uh, but you know, I think they will do the best they can. Um, and the people they have there who market the team or business side, whether it's an Eric Woolworth or a Michael McCulloch, I mean, they will do the best they can, but this is going to be rough. I mean, I, I think that, like you said, I think the TV ratings are going to be like nothing we've ever seen. Um, because people are just pent up bored, okay, and they want something to talk about. And, and we see this with our numbers, our, our number, not the heat stuff, but our dolphin stuff and some of the free agency, but we just had the best week on the website we've ever had. I mean, this is, people want the content, at least for now, um, until they have more pressing, pressing, pressing concerns, which some of them are starting to get. But no matter what you do, I just, I just don't think the experience in the buildings is going to be the same for a long time. And like you mentioned too, some of these sponsors are hurting where they're not, they don't have the money, you know, the resources and their advertising budgets are going to start to get cut. And so they may not want to do the 10 year package or the five year package until they see things, you know, with, with the team until they kind of see things, you know, they see a little bit of sun on the horizon. So um, I, I do think people need to take it seriously. Well, Wendy really appreciate it. Um, again, you can follow her at get these tweets. Thanks for taking the time today. Thanks, Ethan. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network.
ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.